it's a, it's a great feeling to know that help is on the way uh, for all kinds of different matters of life. Little things, big things. Uh, maybe you're, uh, you're painting. I know a lot of people don't love painting, but uh, you, got, you got like four rooms and you're the only one and, and you get a text and, uh, and it says, hey, I'll be there to help you in 20 minutes. That, that helps a lot. Just knowing that's going to happen. Uh, maybe it's moving. Maybe you're um, you got your you know uh, uh, you're, you're moving someone from one house to another, and there's three of you, and it's like this is going to take us six hours. And then someone calls and says, "Hey, there's uh, there's ten of us. We're going to be there with two trucks and two trailers. Uh, we'll be there in a half an hour. Even even that next half an hour, whatever, because you know help is on the way. It's a good feeling. It could could be something like you're in financial distress, and uh, payday is tomorrow." Uh, the paycheck's coming. And uh, so that's, that's a, a good feeling to know uh, that the help is on the way. Um, it might be um, uh, something different, like uh, understa- you're understaffed at work, or, um, or there's a medical condition, but you know the treatment's on the way, or someone's being hired, you know, just anything. When we know help is on the way, it, it sure changes a lot. It feels good. But the problem, sometimes help doesn't come soon enough. Uh, even when you know it's on the way, Sometimes that next 20 minutes or half an hour or, or three days when you know it's, it's going to be fine eventually, but man, until we get there, this is going to be tough. Uh, this, is, this, is, uh, this is life. Um, this is the way it goes. Uh, I was watching um, a movie on Netflix. I don't know if it was a week or a month or two months ago. Uh, it's called The Champion. If you want to put that first, yeah, you already did. You're so, so quick. Um, <laughs> And uh, it was the right time. I'm just, I'm just a little slow. But anyway, that, that guy, he's, um, he's a boxer in the movie. And it's, a, it's about him, uh, a guy who was a boxing champion in Poland. And when the war started, he was trying to, uh, to fight against Germany, but was caught with a group of others. And they were the first group that were, that, uh, were put into the uh, Auschwitz uh, concentration camp or death camp. Um, and that was the summer of 1940. And he did not experience freedom for five years. So he actually got moved from one, one camp to another, um, but he did not get out for five years. He was a young guy. I think he was about 22 or 23 when he was put in there. The movie, you know, when you watch a movie and it's based on a true story, you have to kind of like look and see what actually happened. And I thought, you know, I don't know how much of this actually happened. And, and a lot of it did. Uh, there are a few small things that changed, but I, well, I wanted to get the facts. Uh, the main ideas are all true. He fought somewhere between 40 and 60 fights in the camp, um, and the prize was bread. So he, they, they knew he was a good fighter, and just for the, guard, for the guards' entertainment purposes, they're like, hey, have this guy fight these other people, and he, you know, he's good. And so they actually brought in uh, German boxing champions to fight against him, and, uh, and they were a lot heavier, the 30-plus pounds heavier. Um, he, uh, he was a small guy, um, and he knew he was better, and he could knock them out. But if he knocked them out, then he probably was going to be put to death. So he couldn't. And this is, this is really, the movie, is all, it goes through all this. Uh, I mean, it would be a terrible experience. He knows that he's fighting for his life, but he, he can't do what he, what he could do. Um, he had to work long days still. Uh, they barely got any food. Um, and so this bread was actually a big deal, both for him, but also he would share it with other people. So he was fighting for his life. He was fighting for other people's lives for five years. Um, I just can't imagine how bad it must have been. I mean, just to see what he saw and to have to experience that. This guy was a champion boxer. He was, he was on top of the world before this. He was completely helpless in this moment. 
in these, this, this five years of his life, probably the, would have been the prime of his career. Now, um, the next two slides, yep, there we go, and that one, and then go back to that one before, uh, I like that second one, yeah. Um, so that's, that's what he looked like in real life. His name was uh, Tadius, or that he went by Teddy, uh, Petrozowski. Near the end of the movie, the war was over, and help was on the way. Now, this is where I, I think I just can't imagine the excitement of being in that place or in those places for five years, seeing so much bad, and then you hear, hey, it's, it's over, help is on the way. Uh, I mean, he had to be excited, but there's no way you would think like, oh, it's just, they'll be here in a half an hour, or we'll be there in two days. I mean, you're probably thinking, just hurry up and get me out of here. Like, I know they said it's done, but what if, what if Germany takes back over? Or what if something happens and we don't get out of here and they put us to death? Like, you just, I mean, I can't imagine the feelings of, of it just not getting there soon enough. We're going to look at a story today that I think is very comparable, um, at least uh, the, the idea. Um, it, the first followers of Jesus, uh, were, they were Jewish. They had been through great oppression in Rome. People treated them poorly. Uh, there was a lot of injustice. And they believed that Jesus would come and restore the political power. Uh, they, the story we're going to read this morning, it has quite a backstory. Um, so before I even read the text, I just want to—I want to—I want you to understand how they're feeling. See, a story of um, of hundreds of years ago, from hundreds of years ago, Israel uh, being God's chosen people. They're they're God's people, and they believed in a kingdom led by God through certain rulers. Specifically, King David is mentioned, or um, or uh, they're, they, sorry, not not by name, but the idea behind King David here. Uh, they believed that that God would restore order. He promised that, that he would fix things, and now Jesus is on the way, help is on the way, the Messiah is on the way, and it's going to be all better. Everything's going to be perfect. And they were correct in many ways, but they didn't understand it. And so now, during their Passover celebration uh, this week, leading up to what, what we are celebrating Easter this week, um, we're, in, this, you know, we're in, the ta- in the same time setting of it, uh, they, they were celebrating God's faithfulness. 400 years um, of, of slavery, and, and God frees them, and now they see this Messiah coming in, and you would, you would just have to think, they're probably thinking, he did it then, and now the Messiah's coming. Guess what? It's going to look like full freedom. Everything's going to be all better. Jesus is going to come in, and he's going to be the king. He's going to be on top of things, and, and he's, he's not just coming. He's right here. He's coming into the city. Help is here right now. We're in good shape. Before I read the story, last thing, before I read the story, I, I want to say that if it had looked like what they had hoped for, if it had looked like what they had thought it was going to look like, we wouldn't be celebrating today. It would have just been like one more war, one more uh, country taking over another, one more uh, uh, maybe the good guys taking down the bad guys, at least from their perspective. That's how it probably would have felt. We wouldn't, have be, we wouldn't be celebrating what we're about to celebrate. So it's John chapter 12. And it starts in verse 12. It says this, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way back, or on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him, that these things had been done to him. 
Okay, there's the story. Um, each of the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, they all share in this, uh, they share the story in some way. Some of the details are a little bit different. Some focus a lot more on the donkey. Um, I don't know why it's just a donkey, but uh, there's a reason behind it. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But uh, all of them give careful consideration to the prophecies. This is the big deal. God had made promises through other people hundreds of years ago, and, and, and now they're coming to fulfillment. They're about to happen. And so it was a reminder then that, okay, our God's telling the truth. He, he does tell the truth. A lot of people heard that, that Jesus was on the way. And keep in mind, the last thing that he did, right before this, we, we read in uh, John 11, uh, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. That's a big deal. Uh, I mean, he's been preaching. He's been uh, talking about heaven. He's been performing miracles. He's offering something really big. For about three years now, he's been doing this. And so they welcome him with palm branches. Why? Why Palm Sunday? What, is this, what does this mean? There's a couple things. Uh, first, the, the palm fronds were, were used at the the Jewish celebratory feasts as a part of worship. Okay, that's one thing. I think this next one is actually a bigger reason in this story. Palm branches were used as the symbols of victory and kingship. So they're celebrating. This is the king. He's coming in and he's winning. This is, this is going to happen. They, cr- they crown Jesus their king. And so what do you say to your king when he's on the way? Now remember, when help is on the way, it doesn't mean that everything is just perfect. It's resolved and all better. It's like if you're trapped in a fire. Say you're trapped in a, a house fire, and, and you see uh, the, the firefighters on the way. Um, what, do, what are you going to say? Hosanna! Right? Well, you probably wouldn't say that today. Um, it means help or save, I pray, or save now. See, it's, it's what it is. It's, it's an acknowledgement. It's, uh, first, it's a request. Save us but it's save us, the one who can. It's an acknowledgement that he can do it. It would be like if I'm trapped in a fire and I see my seven-year-old daughter walking by and I, I need someone to help me out. I'm not going to, to yell, hey, come save me. Obviously, I would want her to stay away. If I saw you know, maybe someone who was older and probably uh, couldn't, couldn't get me freed, I'm not going to yell for help to them because it would put them at risk. But if I see a firefighter and I'm in a fire and I see... Uh, this person is capable and able to get me out of here, I'm going to say, hey, come and save me. The one who can, the one who has the power or the ability. They were acknowledging Jesus as the one who could save them, not just asking for it, like, please help me if you could. No, you can help me, so come help. So verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. This, This humble, meek, stubborn, kind donkey, I don't know, maybe if, you, if you've ever met a donkey, that's kind of close. Um, this was Jesus' vehicle of choice, but there was a reason. See, they understood Jesus was a king, but they didn't understand what kind of king he was. They wanted one that would, you know, ride on right in the Air Force One, like our president, or, or to have chariots and, and, uh, and, and soldiers all around and, and uh, looking really, you know, really good, uh, having the flags and the banners and, and the celebrations. That's what they wanted. Uh, these palm branches were like a symbol, a national flag, a symbol of Jewish patriotism. And, and they referred to the coming kingdom of our father David. See, King David represented the best days of the Jewish people. I mean, at least, you know how sometimes you say like, well, when this person was the president or this time in our nation, this was the best time. It may not have been to everyone, but at least that's how they looked at it. And they look back and they say, when David was the king, I mean, we were on top. 
We were, we, were, we were the people. People respected us. Instead, Jesus gave them a different kind of ruler. One with power, of course, but no need to express it the way that they expressed it. We don't need to have all these, uh, these symbols. This donkey was a reminder of God's faithfulness, which is all the power that we need. See, it was um, verse 15. It says, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. It's from Zechariah 9.9, where the Lord is portrayed not as a military leader, but a king of peace. Verse 10 in that says, He will take away chariots and war horses from Ephraim and Jerusalem and proclaim peace to the nations. Palm Sunday was a completely different way of thinking, a shift in the mindset, a beginning of understanding that this, this maybe it looks like what we think kind of, but it doesn't, it's not going to play out how we think it's going to play out. Do not be afraid. It gives us courage, past, present, and future. See, while the Jews were waiting for the first coming, now we're in this similar situation. We're waiting for Jesus' second coming. These words had some meaning then, but they couldn't have fully understood what they, were, what they, what they meant. These same words now, though, they have meaning to us because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. It changes everything. See, that was Palm Sunday, uh, and a few days later, Jesus died. And along with that, their hopes were gone. The winning side, this king that was going to come in and take over, well, he just died, so we kind of lost that one. I mean, that's, had, that's how they had to have felt. Most of the committed disciples, the, the most committed ones, they abandoned Jesus, they just left. They were confused, they just went back to the way things, well, I guess we didn't win, so I guess it's back to work. I mean, it would have been tough. They had this expectation, here's what Jesus is going to do, and he didn't do it their way. So they lost hope. I don't blame them. I think we give up on, on, uh, on our faith at times for much smaller reasons. This whole story is about God not meeting our expectations in the way that we want them to be met, but showing that he can actually exceed our expectations in a way that we would never understand. This is a big deal. I mean, what they thought and what happened doesn't compare but what God offered was so much better. It wasn't what they wanted because they had no idea what he offered. They had, they had a choice then. Trust that you know, God made this promise and it's not playing out how we thought it would, but he's still going to follow through because he's faithful um, or just leave. And they left. We're kind of in this moment between as well. I know it's not necessarily between the crucifixion and, and the resurrection, um, but we're in this moment where Jesus has come. He's offered us something. And now we are like, okay, well, he's going to come back eventually. I'm going to die eventually, but I got, I got more temporary problems. I have things that are weighing on me. And so a lot of people leave. They leave the church. They leave God. They ask questions, well, why does this injustice happen? Why is my marriage not like what I thought it would be? Um, why, why, why can't I find a job? Why does my addiction keep getting the best of me? Why won't God do what I want and what I hope and what I expect from him to do when I want him to do it? I mean, we, we try to make ourselves the God, and we ask this, this person that we call God just to, to help us, uh, to make it all about us. The good news is that God is not bound to do what we want him or uh, to do or think that we need him to do. We think we know best. We, we say, if this happens, and if this happened, and if this changed in this relationship, and this happened in this job, then everything would, all, would be all better. No, it wouldn't. We always project that if these things happen, then things are all better, but what we're not realizing is, is it's not going to be. We live in a sinful, broken world, and things are not going to be perfect here, ever, no, no matter what. So what does Jesus offer? 
I remember last week, um, I know not everyone's here last week, we talked about this idea of a breakthrough, that when you come to a, a hard point in life, sometimes if you can just get through that hard point, then there's this breakthrough, right? Um, don't quit was the idea. But the truth is, we can stay in the game, we can stay in the battle, but we can't always save ourselves. Sometimes we're the one trapped and we need someone to save us. And at times we have to wait for help, help to arrive. I mentioned Daniel last week. He was kind of, he's one of the heroes of the faith. As a young man, he was taken captive uh, with some others, and life as he knew it was gone. Kind of like, it reminded me of the, of the story of, of Teddy, the boxer. It, life as he knew it, completely gone. But Daniel didn't leave his faith. Uh, and when the testing came, he stood firm. How could he do that? Daniel 1.8 in the NASB, I like this translation a lot. It says, but Daniel made up his mind. Before before the struggles, before the hardships, before anything happened, he made up his mind that he was going to stay, stand firm, that he was going to stay in the faith. Um, he decided ahead of time, and, and when the situations happened in his life, when things got really hard, he didn't compromise his faith. As time passed, the testing increased. He had to decide, do I pray um, or do I follow the decree? He'd already decided, a pretty easy one. He'd already made up his mind. The result was that he was thrown into a, a den of lions. How many lions? I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. How many others had been eaten alive? Uh, I, I'm not sure. How would you have responded going into this? Like, hey, hold on. I won't pray anymore, I promise. Hey, uh, so I wasn't really praying. I was just resting my eyes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he would have, if he tried to backtrack, but he didn't. Because he'd already decided that there's something bigger. The king said, as Daniel was being lowered, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. That's exactly what happened. Uh, the, the, the lion's mouths were, uh, uh, were shut. They couldn't, they couldn't uh, eat him. They couldn't hurt him. God protected him. And because of that, many people saw Daniel uh, as someone who followed God, and they learned about who God was. So, does this mean that life will be easy when we follow Jesus? If you follow Jesus for more than five minutes, you know that the answer is no. Life is going to be challenging no matter what. You can have your problems with Jesus or without Jesus. You can have your problems with faith, with trust, or without. You can have your problems with guidance uh, through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, or without. There's going to be problems. Jesus said that. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. What does that mean? It sure doesn't look like what they thought it meant on Palm Sunday. It meant a lot of uh, it meant everything on Easter Sunday at the resurrection. Ask Daniel, was life easy? Um, ask Paul, someone who constantly served. I mean, his uh, much of his life when he met Jesus, he didn't stop, and his life you would probably say was pretty terrible. Really, I mean, circumstances. We think that because we're obedient. If I follow the Bible and I follow God, that means things are going to be perfect. If I volunteer, then that situation will be really perfect. If I make this really big commitment um, because I think God wants me to do it and I do it, then he's going to make everything really easy. It doesn't work that way. He, he's going to give us what we need to do it, I believe. I think he's going to help, uh, help equip us and help us to stay faithful and help us to, uh, to share the gospel. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. The people yelling, Hosanna, they thought the same thing. They thought he's going to come in and he's going to fix everything and our circumstances are going to be great and life is just going to be easy and perfect. And they were wrong too. See, we don't sacrifice, we don't serve, we don't give to get. We do it because we've already received. 
This, the gospel is such an interesting cycle. Um, many religions, it's this idea that, that if I work hard enough, if I sacrifice enough, if I give enough, then I'll get to go to heaven. But the gospel says that God loves us and would send his son to make the sacrifice. You just trust him. You put your faith in him. You accept this gift of life. Instead of things like freedom from oppression in this story, or, or freedom from, um, from uh, our health situations, or our job situations, or our broken relationships, he offers us freedom to stu- from stuff that kills us on the inside. You know, guilt and shame. Uh, we, can't, we, we can't forgive other people, and we can't forgive ourselves. And, and just think how much time we've wasted in our lives, how much of our lives we've wasted because we've just held on to things that we have probably should have let go, let go of a long time ago. They hold us back, but he says, no, this is, this is stuff that destroys you. Our souls, our relationships, our hope. You don't have to hold on to those things. The king that came on that Sunday, Jesus, uh, before the, the big one, the resurrection, the next Sunday, he offered more hope than they could have imagined. I mean, if, if they would trust him, even when it doesn't look right, even when it looks like, well, he, he's not taking over and he's not leading, uh, he's actually just he's dying on a cross and they're going to bury him. Even in that moment, if they could just trust him, just, just that breakthrough, that next thing that happened, the resurrection proved he will come through. Might not look like it here. This is about eternity. Our, our short lives are nothing compared to our eternal lives. So maybe they learned, maybe they didn't. Maybe some did, some didn't. What happens next? Here's how it finishes. Verse 17. Now the crowd was, that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed the sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The people who had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, they stayed with him. Of course you would. This, even death can't stop these people because Jesus is with them. They went with Jesus and they told everyone what had happened. They shared the good news. This is why we're here. And it says that when people heard about this, they wanted to meet him. That's tough. We share the gospel, the people want to meet Jesus. The, the, those, the people that opposed them realized this is an unstoppable force. We cannot stop him. And so when people hear us talk about Jesus, what do they hear? Do, do they want to know him more because of what we say about him? If not, are we really sharing him? Are, are we talking about our church, or are we talking about our Savior of the church? Are, are we talking about the Bible, or are we talking about the one that, that points the Bible to, the one that points to, that was such a good, it was such a good one too. Uh, <laughs> the religious leaders missed the point of Jesus when they read the Bible. It says, you, you come after me, but, or you, come, you read the scriptures diligently, but you miss who they point to. That could be us as well. Are we, are we pointing to the rules and the regulations, the things that, well, I can't do this because I go to church and I'm a Christian, or the freedom that, it, that we get through it? See, why do you love being a Christian? Think about that just for a little bit. What, what do you love about Jesus? And then share that. It's hard. Sometimes it's easy to talk about the other stuff stuff that's right in front of us, the stuff that we can control and manipulate and make a difference for, and we feel like, you know, this is what I'm doing for the church, and this is what we're doing for the people, but what is Jesus doing for us? He's done everything. Are we sharing that? That's what we need to share. What they saw was a king who died, 
what they eventually saw was a king who couldn't be stopped. When you know that help is on the way, you want it right now. You want it to make a difference. I get that. We, we all get that. We want that help to come and fix it right now. It just didn't work that way. But when you know help is here, more importantly, you want everyone to have that help. You want, every, we want everyone to be saved. That's what this is about, that he was on the way and he was offering salvation, not just for current circumstances. You know, even if he fixed everything right then, there's going to be more problems. He offered something that lasts forever. Palm Sunday is a reminder that God is a promise-keeping God, that he is faithful no matter what. Even when it doesn't come in the form we want it to, even when it doesn't come today, if God promised it, it will happen. That's what this is all about. He came once to offer us new life. Eventually, he will come back once more to rule as king. What I ask is, when he comes back, are you going to look at him and, and, and be, be on his side? I mean, really, there, there, is, there are people who are, who are perishing, who, who die apart from knowing Jesus, apart from putting their trust in him. Yeah, we can't fix everyone's current problems. We want to, all of us. I want to be the helper. I want to, I want to be the one that, well, your life's terrible right now. Here, let me do this, and then I'll help you. Yeah, that's not what this is about. The Christian faith is the good news that, that regardless of what happens in life, even, even things that we've caused on, on, uh, on our own, things that we've done bad, all that is taken away. If, if we would look at this king as the king who, who came and died on the cross, a sacrifice from God, who would take our place, a God who loves us, and also a God who's powerful, that would raise the dead, like Jesus did to Lazarus, like the, the same spirit raised Jesus from the dead that is offered to you and to me. That's what this is all about. We need to take it out uh, outside of here. We need people to hear this because this is what changes everything. Not that I uh, am all better. My, my back actually does kind of hurt today. I said that earlier. And, and it's going to hurt probably until it stops hurting, and then that's fine. Okay, I'm, uh, but, but this is about something bigger about when we carry that guilt and we walk out here and we say, well, that was nice. I feel good because I worshiped and I sang. But how about feeling good because your life's different, because you've been offered forgiveness, because you've been offered eternal life, and you think, well, no, I've done this, and I can't accept that, and it's a nice gift, but I don't deserve it. No, you don't. Neither do I. Neither does anyone else here. But it's offered to all of us, and we're all saved. If we would just confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, which so many people saw, it changed their lives, and it can change our lives too. This is the gospel, and it's offered to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for uh, this gift. Uh, it's, it's just so much. Uh, it's so big, and it's so hard to fully grasp uh, what you've offered us. We see things in front of us all the time uh, that bring us down. Uh, we lose hope. Sometimes maybe we even lose faith. Um, but you have done everything possible. You've made the biggest sacrifice. You've conquered the biggest, uh, uh, the biggest thing, the barrier, or anything that would hold us down. Death seems to be final and so unstoppable, but even you are bigger than that. And so I pray that you would give us faith, uh, that you would help us to make the next decision to follow you so that we can experience this fullness of life now and forever. We thank you for Jesus. That's his name we pray. Amen.